Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as I'd like to share with you a heart to build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, a heart to build up the church. And what we're going to see as we go through our chapter today is that it has a lot to do with prophecy. It has a lot to do with uh, really a good word from God because we might have a, a misconstrued misconception of what prophecy is. Uh, some think it's just to foretell the future. Well, that's part of it. But really, when you look at the Old Testament, uh, primarily the prophets were just people who spoke God's word. They spoke God's message. And that can happen in many different ways. As a matter of fact, Paul is going to say in our chapter today that I wish all of you were prophets. I wish all of you had the gift of prophecy. You know, and, and what we see basically as a church is that every single person can in one sense exercise prophecy because all it is is you speaking a good word from God to someone else. And when you speak that, that good word, when you speak that word of encouragement, that word of comfort, that word of warning, that word of exhortation, that word from God to someone else, then what you're doing is you're building them up. And now, that's what I, I, we're going to see today in our, in our study. This is how God, he builds up his church. Uh, it, it was just a couple of weeks ago, um, I woke up at 2.30 in the morning. Now, for me, that's uh, really rare because I, I, I love to sleep. I, I fall asleep usually as soon as my head hits the pillow. And usually, man, I can stay asleep all, 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 all night and not without waking up. But this particular night, I woke up at 2.30 in the morning. And then uh, after I woke up, this is crazy. This is weird. I received a text message from somebody. So this is not, this isn't what woke me up. I was already awake. It was like God woke me up. And then I receive a text message at 2.30 in the morning. And it was a Bible passage that my wife and I have been praying for someone or for a group of people passionately, daily, incessantly, I mean, clearly. And, and I really felt like this was God speaking through someone to give me what I needed. It was a time when really I needed to be lifted up. I needed to be, you know, stirred up. I needed to be built up. And so God woke me up at 2.30. He said, okay, the word's coming. It came from an individual who never texts me at 2.30 in the morning, but this day they did. And it was the exact verse that my wife and I have been praying. What is that? That's a word from God. That's, in one sense, like a, a prophecy. And when we speak those good words to our friends in the church, then what that does is it builds us up. And all of us can be vessels of that. And so I encourage you today to, to really listen up to our, our study. Uh, we're going to see in verse 1 the specification, how Paul says pursue love, but, uh, you know, want gifts, desire gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And then in verses 2 through 6, after the specification, we'll see the explanation. And, and then in verses 7 through 11, we'll see the illustration as he brings this home uh, point home to us. In verse 12 is the motivation. And then in verses 13 through 19 is a supplication. 
And so notice what we read here in 1 Corinthians, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 14. Paul says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And, and when I read that, I think, wow, isn't that beautiful? Pursue love. Chase it, church. I mean, it's so cool, the passionate uh, uh, words that Paul has here in that we are to pursue love, we are to receive God's love, and then in getting it, we are to give it, and then we are to live it. And this is what Paul is saying in chapter 13. If you remember, it was all about love. And Paul is saying, listen, don't just go through it and say, hey, we studied that. Uh, pursue it passionately. That should be our goal. As a matter of fact, the New Living Translation translates it this way. Let love be your highest goal. And so Paul says, pursue love. But then it's cool what he says. He says, desire spiritual gifts. And so it's not just okay to desire them. It's actually good to have those desires. You know, we want the fruit of the Spirit. As a church, we want the, the gifts of the Spirit. You know, there seems even to be an indication that we can pray for more gifts. And I don't know if you've ever done that before, but even today you can pray, Lord, if it's your will, I pray for the gift of prophecy. I wonder if there's anyone out there who wants more. You know, it's good to be hungry for things like that. Uh, remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you look at verse 31 real quick, Paul said, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And so it's actually okay to, to do that. The gifts that he's talking about are, are these things we call supernatural powers that we've been graciously given to serve the Lord and to serve his people. You know, some teachers will tell you that there's 21 gifts and they'll point to 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. But I'm pretty sure that there's actually more than 21 gifts. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of that. But I do know this, you guys. As individuals, we were born with talents and we were born again with gifts. And so our job, as we've been discovering in 1 Corinthians, is to discover those gifts, develop those gifts, and then to deploy them. And here we see that there are actually more gifts that perhaps we've been given uh, on, our, on our birthday that we were born again with, right? Have you ever uh, received a birthday gift late? It's kind of a cool thing. At first, maybe you're a little bummed out because your birthday comes and so-and-so didn't give you a gift or something, right? But then, whatever, a week later, a month later, you get this $50 iTunes card or something, right? Uh, better late than never, I guess. And in one sense, that's what can happen to a Christian. As I said earlier, you're born with certain talents. Give those talents to God. But when you become a Christian, you're born again with certain gifts. And sometimes those gifts, they manifest themselves immediately but at other times, they manifest themselves later. They might even just come to you later. They might you know, be given to you later because you prayed for them. And that's what Paul is saying here. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the best gifts. Here he says we should desire the gifts, but he says especially that you might prophesy. And so there's the specification. There's the goal. God, I, I want to speak good words to people. I want to speak your word to people. Uh, what, 
what, is, what do they need to hear? That person who's having a bad day or that person who's going a bad way, what is the word that would come from you that they need to hear? And so there's a specification, and then Paul gives the explanation for it in, in verse 2. Notice he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. You know, the the context here in Corinth was that they were a church that when you would go to their services, man, everyone was speaking in tongues. And so it was kind of like, chaos right and so they all wanted the gift they were all exercising the gift and so what Paul here says is listen it's way way better to prophesy than it is to speak in tongues like this the Corinthians were out of control they were all talking in tongues throughout their church services and so Paul explains to the congregation the reason for the specification that they should especially desire to acquire the gift of prophecy. And he explains to them right here how when someone speaks in tongues, they're speaking to God and the people don't understand. It's like a mystery to them. But when someone prophesies, they speak edification. He says they speak exhortation and they speak comfort to the congregation. And that is what we need to be built up as a church. You know, edification, it means you're, you're building them up. And I don't know if you can visualize, you know, the muscles are forming on the men and the women. They're getting stronger. Why? Because you're building them up because you're prophesying. Or then there's the word exhortation. It means not just building them up, but you're stirring them up. Because sometimes a fire begins to fade and they need to fan it and it needs to grow. And it's not just building up and stirring up, but then there's this word comfort. And that means that you're lifting them up. And so, man, and you guys probably know it, man, just a good word from God, that right word, that right passage. You know, the Bible says that a, 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 um, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. I mean, it's the right word at the right time spoken in the right way. And it's a, miracle, a miraculous message from God. This is what we're talking about. This is prophecy. And I remember in the book of Numbers when uh, Joshua was real, real zealous for, for Moses, you know. And there came a time when the Holy Spirit fell upon these 70 guys that were outside of the regular leadership or whatever. And, and Joshua was kind of like, no, Moses, don't let it happen. Those guys over there, way yonder, are prophesying. And, and Moses answered him. He said, I wish all the Lord's people were prophets. I wish they all were. And, and what, we're, what we're learning as we study in the Bible is that's what, Paul, that's what God wants in one sense. I mean, the specification is pursue love, desire gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. Especially that you would give the, the right word in, in the right way to the right person. You know, and that can happen to any of us. We're going to see even later, it has, it has to do with music. Even the right songs that are sung is prophetic. 
It's a word that, that can bring what we're reading right here, edification, exhortation, comfort. Uh, edification, we see it throughout our passage today in verse 3, in verse 4, in verse 5, and 12, and 26. It means that basically what you're doing is you're strengthening the church by giving God's word. And then there's the word exhortation, and that's a, an address or a communication emphatically urging someone to do something. You know, it's like you should do this. You can persuade them through your discourse or stirring address. It can be a warning or an admonition. Other translations use the word to encourage. There's that word courage there. And sometimes your word is exactly what that person needs to muster up that the courage and uh, that Bible passage makes them brave. That's why um, even in this time of coronavirus, you know, one of the things that we're missing is that when we get together as a church and you'll hear a message, that's, that's one thing. But then afterwards, you're talking with each other and there's fellowship and there's a good word that's taking place. There's those conversations, you know, and so we're, we're missing that. But we don't have to, you know, say that we can no longer engage in that because now they, they call it social distancing, but we have social media. And I know for everybody, it's probably not the right thing because I understand that sometimes Facebook and Instagram for some people, you know, it can be a, a tragedy. I always tell people social media is either a tool, a toy, or a tragedy. It can be a tragedy because you can hook up with the wrong person or it can be a, a, a toy because you waste a lot of time. But if you sanctify it, if you discipline it unto God, it can actually be a way where you give out the good word to people. And that's what we're, 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 we're you know, hoping to do as a church, you know, that word that can comfort them. You know, he mentions edification. He mentions exhortation. And he mentions the word comfort. And I was thinking, wow, Lord, that how many of us need that in the days that we live in today? You know, there's so much pain. There's so much heartache. There's so many that are hurting, down, depressed, and anxious. Our prayer is that the personal word of God and ultimately the God of the word would comfort you. You know, I, I read this recently. is a little word from the Lord who is described as our comforter. And listen to what it says. It says, Let me come in where you are weeping, my friend, and let me take your hand. I, who have known a sorrow such as yours, can understand. Let me come in. I would be very still beside you in your grief. I would not bid you cease your weeping, friend, for tears bring relief. But let me come in. I would only breathe a prayer and hold your hand, for I have known a sorrow such as yours, and I really do understand. I wish I could wave, and this is me, I, I wish I could wave a magic wand and make all the pain go away, but what we see right there is when God's word or when God himself comes in, he brings comfort. And that's why it's so important that churches, they, they teach the Bible and we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we give the word because his word, it brings edification, it brings exhortation and it, it brings comfort. You know, one thing I thought was interesting is how one definition of a comforter is a warm quilt. 
And, and at the end of the day, you guys are probably experiencing this, right? Life can be so cold. And only God and His presence and His Word can offer the true comfort and warmth that we need in this fallen world. In you know, Psalm 119 and verse 50, it says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. And so Paul here, in giving the specification, pursue love, desire gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, there's the goal. He gives the explanation, right? In verse 4, he continues. He says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. And so he's explaining why, you guys, that we should really desire uh, to prophesy, as opposed to tongues, especially there in the context of Corinth. Now when we speak in tongues, he says we, we edify ourselves. But when we prophesy, we edify others. Not that Paul's against tongues. Notice again there in verse 5, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. I mean, he wants people to have that gift, but he would rather have them the gift have the gift of prophecy because what that does is it doesn't just build up the individual speaking in tongues, it builds up the congregation, the church. Now, if there is an interpretation of tongues, that will build up the church, and we're going to see that later. But even when that happens, it must be exercised in a biblical fashion. We're going to see that in verse 27, Lord willing, next week. And so here in, in verse 6, Paul uses himself as an example. And he says, listen, if I were to come to you and I just got up here and spoke in tongues, what would it profit? Remember, the whole thing about the gifts of the Spirit is for the profit of others. Watch, if you would, look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And so what ends up happening, you guys, a lot of times in what we see today in churches is you go and people want the experience, they want the, the tingles, they want you know that kind of a whole thing to take place because they're really just interested in, in edifying themselves. And what Paul is saying is, is here, and that's why he sandwiches it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love, is that our gifts are for the benefit of others. You know, I was thinking about, again, um, what's going on in the world today. And, you know, part of me just wants to say, Charlie, man, part of me just wants to say, I'm going to go and, and shake hands and give hugs and, you know, hang out. And I miss that so much. You know, I'm just going to go and, you know, just, you know, protest or something. You know, I don't know. I probably wouldn't do that. But, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to do that. But but the reason I, I can't is not because I'm afraid to die. Not because I'm afraid, like, you know, I'm going to get sick. Primarily, it's because, and I think we all feel the same way, huh? We don't want to get others sick. 
And, and that's the, the heart behind what Paul is saying here. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about that person over there who's struggling. It's about others that need to be built up. That's why I'm not interested in speaking in tongues. I have the gift of tongues, and I praise God that I get to pray you know, in tongues in, in my prayer closet at home. And I love it, and I feel, I feel God's hand when I speak in tongues. And it is a blessing to me. But I can't come up here as a pastor and do that. No, what God wants us to do for the benefit of others is to speak forth his word, to share. Hopefully, it's something that's helpful and personal to others. You know, it's interesting when you look at this, Paul here uses three words that I think are key to prophecy. He uses the word revelation, he uses the word knowledge, and he uses the word teaching. Notice there again in verse 6, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? And what we find right here is these are, these are words that we believe in this thing we call in Calvary Chapel, we say it a lot, a very uh, personal relationship with God. You know, it's this personal fellowship that we have with God in which he speaks to our hearts those things that we need to hear. You know, a lot of times we think of prophecy as just, again, foretelling God's word, but it's not just foretelling, it's forthtelling God's word. It's a, it's a word of wisdom. It's a word of knowledge. It's the word of God. And as we're doing this, what God does is he makes it very, very personal. The words that we speak, you know, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for edification. You know, so many times the words that we speak, maybe to our loved ones, those that we love the most, or what we're doing is we're tearing people down. And if you do that over an extended period of time to an individual, you are going to really do some damage. But what we're learning as Christians is we speak the good word. We speak the true word. In one sense, we're vessels that, that prophesy. And when you do that, my friend, is you're building others up. And Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, that's what it's all about. It's not about me speaking in tongues and getting the tingles. It's about me speaking the truth from God Hopefully, it will encourage you. You know, our gifts are given to us for the glory of God and the good of others. If you think about it, that's how the fruit is too. Like if I bear fruit, you know, it's for you to partake of. If I have gifts, hopefully, it will benefit others. In one sense, God says to us, I have blessed you, not just so you can be blessed, but that you can bless others. And so Paul here, he gives us the specification to, to really desire to prophesy. And then he gives us the explanation that when we speak in tongues, we're speaking to God, and it really doesn't accomplish what God wants this whole church thing to be, which is edification. And then thirdly, what Paul gives to us is an illustration. A couple of them actually beginning in verse 7, he says, Even things without life, whether flute or harp, 
when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Paul, first of all, uses a trumpet as an illustration or a flute. He says, what if someone just grabbed a flute or a trumpet and randomly blew it? You know, if a person just picked up and plucked a harp or guitar without any type of rhythm whatsoever. You know, what if the, the guy with the, the bugle just blew it without any special series of notes to notice? You know, no reveille whatsoever, even though there's an invading army. Then what would happen is no one would prepare for battle. And, and what Paul is saying here is that's what it is when the church does not exercise the gifts of tongues biblically. Now, one person said it this way, to be profitable for others, the notes of a flute or a harp or a trumpet needed to be clear and intelligible. Otherwise, they amounted to do more than nothing than venting of air with consequences which, besides being annoying, which actually might be, at the end, without the revelry, devastating. And so what's true for the trumpet or the guitar, the piano, what's true for musicians is true for Christians. It's so important for us to know that as we come and as we're hearing the word and as we're all part of this, that we need to understand the message. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul here speaks uh, something interesting. Look again, if you would, at verse 9. Paul says, so likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand. Now, we don't want to make it complicated. We don't want to make it sophisticated. We want it to be easy to understand. And that's what Pastor Chuck used to always say. He would tell the guys, simply teach the Bible simply. You know, unfortunately, not everyone has that heart. I know it sounds kind of bizarre, but some actually do say you don't need to learn at church or understand or comprehend. It's not school. You don't need to, you know, go and hear God's word taught. You just need him to touch. You don't need the objective exposition of the Bible. You just need the subjective experience of the body. And they want to go in. They want to get fired up. They want to have this experience with the Holy Spirit, they say. And what Paul is saying is, no, you want to be built up. You want the word of God taught to you in a personal way. And so Paul, he corrects the Corinthians. He uses the illustration of, of trumpets and, and then in, in tribes there again in verse 10. There are, he says, it may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Again, um, going back to Corinth, and even today, uh, some churches, when you go there, there, it's just everyone speaking a foreign language. And Paul says it's not biblical. You know, for many years, it's interesting, church services were conducted in a language that the people didn't understand. Imagine that, going to church and it's all, 
you know, in, in Latin. I don't understand why they would try to hide that, especially in light of what we're reading right here. Paul says, when we go to church, we're, we're not to be foreigners like that. We're to be family. And so for us, I remember going to Cambodia and hearing the language in Khmer or or Nepali, you know, and again, you know, praise God, you know, their hearts, you know, they're sincere. It's a beautiful language, a beautiful thing, but not understanding what they're saying. And at the end of the day, you're not going to be built up. And so what he's saying is there needs to be understanding. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us that it needs to be easy to understand. And so you have the specification, you have the explanation, you have the illustration. And then fourthly, you have the motivation there in verse 12. He says, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. And there's that word again, edification. This whole section right here is, Lord, use my life. Lord, that every person in the church would say, use my life to make my brothers stronger, to make my sisters stronger. Lord, help me discover my gifts and develop them and deploy them to help them. Lord, please. And, and Lord, for the whole church, like, like the words of Moses, oh, that everyone would prophesy. Oh, that everyone would hear the word of God somehow, some way. It doesn't have to be from a pulpit. Somehow, some way, and then they give it out, that word that's fitly spoken, like apples of gold and settings of silver. What a difference it makes. You come alongside someone. You just never know, you know, but you've been praying for someone, right? And then for whatever reason, that day the Lord leads you, you come alongside them and just say, hey, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. Or just a little word that someone, you know, the Lord lays on your heart and, you know, you're, you're, you, know you come up to someone and every once in a while, this will happen to me. Someone will say, you know, God has been laying you on my heart lately. And so I just want you to know that. And then they'll give maybe a little verse, a little word of encouragement. You don't know what a difference that makes in their life. You might not even realize that that very word or those very prayers save their life. We don't understand the power of the word sometimes. You know, uh, right now, with everything going on, you know, to me, I, I want to encourage you guys, man, to get that word out. As a pastor, you know, with all this, sometimes you feel so limited. You're like, Lord, uh, where's... And you're, I can visualize everybody here in the congregation. And there are certain people, it's kind of funny, they sit in the same spot, you know, uh, every uh, service. And that's okay, because we're creatures of habit. But But then, you know, you're here and you don't see them... And you're thinking about them. And you're wondering, I, I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how they're doing. And you almost feel like your hands are tied as a pastor. You feel like there's not a whole lot you can do to help them. But then the Lord, he reminds you. He says, well, they're my workmanship created in you know, my image. And I, I'll, I'm working on their life. But, but a lot of times, and I've told you guys this before, like me, you know, going into your space and, you know, whatever, you know, uh, putting my input, it's not always the best thing. Maybe the Lord is saying right now, Manny, the best thing for you is to pray for them. Pray for them. And even though it's a distance, and even though you can't see them physically, you can get on your face, and you can pray for them. 
Maybe that's what they need. You know, all I'm saying, you guys, is that as we have God's Spirit and we do it His way, it's just so amazing how He is working in our lives. And He can take a good word that anyone can give and it can actually build them up. Why do we do this? Why? It's because we're motivated by love. You know, the Corinthians, they were eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, but not necessarily interesting in the building up the body. They, they wanted it for themselves. They wanted the euphoria of the experience. But Paul here says the motivation must be for the blessing and benefit of others. He says right there, you know, this is why we're to be zealous. This is why we're to long for gifts. This is why we seek to excel. Not for me, he says, but for you. And when we have that mentality, that others-oriented mentality, that's the thing that we call love. Remember, and it's the motivation here we see. We've talked about this in 1 Corinthians 13, that it doesn't matter uh, the message or you know, we give or the mysteries that we solve or the mountains that we move or the martyr's death that we die. If it's not motivated by love, then it's just noise. I'm nothing, and it profits me nothing. And so Paul here is this encouraging us as a church. You know, you guys were living in some interesting days, and, and uh, I don't know how, how you're doing out there. I have a feeling that some of you guys, you might be growing weak. And so, um, you know, we're going to share a word on, on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday. We're going to try to fill all the days with the word, and hopefully they're prophetic. Hopefully they're personal. Hopefully there's messages that are going out and phone calls that are being made. Hopefully the whole church is filled with people who prophesy, who share a good word from God because when that brother is down, you know, it lifts them up. It builds them up. It stirs them up. And so he closes with something interesting and that is the, the word supplication. Again, specification in verse 1, you know, pursue love, desire gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And then he gives the explanation, basically the benefits of, of prophecy. And then he gives the illustration, you know, with the musician and the, the tribe and, and then the motivation and then the supplication in verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue... Pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit. And I will also sing with understanding. And so what's he saying? In all reality, what he's asking us to do now is to pray. The, the word supplication, it, it means, God, give me what I need. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for interpretation, whether that be the tongues or uh, this Bible study, right? But you're, you're praying for the interpretation of tongues. You're praying really for the anointing uh, of the Spirit. You're, you're praying uh, with zeal. You're praying with emotion. You're praying with conviction, 
You know, right there again in verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with understanding. And, and basically what he's saying right there is that the Corinthians, I think what they were doing is they were more like, I'm going to do it in the Spirit in the sense that I'm going to do it emotionally. I'm going to do it passionately. I think in one sense what they were saying is I'm going to just focus on the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying is not just the Holy Spirit, but also the Holy Bible. And what we find, what a healthy church does, is that they, uh, they, they love the, the Lord, they love God's Word, and they are open to the anointing and movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's been said that a church that is just focusing on the Holy Spirit will blow up. And a church that's just focusing on the, the Word of God will dry up. But when you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible together with that passion, when you have both, when you're praying for it that way, then you will grow up. And I always tell you guys this, right, at the end of the day, because I think this makes for a healthy Christian, that the Word of God, I mean the, whole, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God to conform us into the image of God and give us the power of God. No, it's not just me focusing on, on the Holy Spirit, which I think what the Corinthians were doing and the experience. I think some people, they just want that. They just want that. They don't want to learn. They're not interested really in the Word. They don't want to learn it in its context. They just want topical teachings. No, you, you take the Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And you do it with heart. You do it with passion. And what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, takes the Word of God and he conforms us into the image of God. And that's what Paul is saying right here. And it's so cool because it's not just, you know, that way. It's also in even in the music. Uh, he says right there, look it, I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding. It's so cool when you get these songs that are Spirit-filled. And, they're, and they're, it's good music and it's from the heart. But it's rooted in the Word. It's rooted in that aspect of understanding God's truth. Paul says, now you're talking about a healthy church. And that's why Paul says, this is what I'm praying for. You've got to pray for this. This is a supplication. You know, um, verse uh, 16, he says, Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit... How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so, uh, kind of cool the way that Paul closes our section for today. Um, he's saying, if I just came up here and I spoke things that you didn't understand, then you couldn't say amen. Amen? I mean, you know, I, it's, I think in that sense, it's kind of cool for us as a church to know that it's okay to say amen like hey that one hit home man amen you're understanding but if you don't understand you can't say amen huh 
it's kind of funny. Um, sometimes uh, my wife or my kids or someone will be talking to me, and uh, um, you know they'll just say, "Huh, Dad." My wife even says that, "Huh, Dad." You know, <laughs> and uh, she wants me to kind of agree with her. Well, if I don't know what they said, then I can't agree. And what Paul is saying right here is that as you're ch- sharing the word and you know you're you're speaking the truth. You have to make it simple. You have to break it down. You have to use terminology that the the people understand so that they can listen. And when it comes from the Lord, it's so cool. They can say, Amen. You know, Paul, again, was not against tongues. It just needs to be exercised obediently and biblically. You know, when we speak in tongues, we're going to see, Lord willing, next week that we can pray it at home in our prayer closet or in a setting where when there would be an interpreter present and we're going to see where just two or three uh, speak in tongues and then someone gives the meaning, but not necessarily in a church service, and we'll see that later. But in conclusion, my my encouragement to you and for, for us, you guys, if anything, the simplicity of it, let's walk away from today's study just saying, Lord, um, I would like the the gift of prophecy. I would like to uh, speak a a good word, you know, to your people. And so, Lord, help me to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit so that I can give out that word, uh, that word of uh, edification, that word of exhortation, that, that word of comfort, Lord. Because when it comes from you, like I said earlier, the Spirit of God will take the word of God and conform us into the image of God with the power of God. But not only that, you guys, um, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and He will actually conceive a child of God because that's how people are born again. You know, my my guess is that if you're watching this, um, probably a good 95% of you are Christians and you know the Lord and you have a relationship with him and isn't it a wonderful thing you know that you're out there and I know for myself when I was uh, worshiping right here I was just thinking Lord I remember when you came into my life I remember when I was dead and you gave me life I was blind and now I see I remember Lord that just what happened Jesus when you came into my life, when you showed up, when you forgave me of all my sins, I, I remember before and after. And I don't know for most of you out there, you know, there's most of you are have experienced that. You are Christians. But maybe there's someone out there who has not yet really given their heart to Christ. You have not yet really believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't surrendered to his love and his lordship you know maybe you've heard the message if not i pray it would be so simply understood that jesus christ loves you and he died for you on a cross he bore all your sins and then the bible says that in the third day he rose again and so in that we just got done uh, celebrating easter he defeated death and so the bible says whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved believe on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved. And, and that's the most important thing of all. You know, if you're out there and you're hurting, you're struggling, maybe you try to fill that void with everything that this world has to offer, but you're still bankrupt. 
you're out there and you're not sure where you would go, what would happen to you if you were to die today? Again, not trying to, to scare you, but the reality is that none of us have tomorrow guaranteed. And that's why as a church, what we're, what we're doing is just we're simply sharing his word and we're sharing his name. His name is Jesus. and He loves you. And if you choose to follow him, if you believe on him, then the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and he will conceive a child of God that today can be the day of salvation where the Bible says he will write your name in the book of life. All you have to do is repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. And if you haven't done that, I pray today that you would.